at my weakest, I thought, uh, you know, I want to go for a ride. I haven't been out for a while, get on my bike. I could not even have the strength. I didn't have the strength to lift the moped off the stand. It actually fell on top of me and I got trapped underneath it and I couldn't get up and I had to call for help for someone to come pick it up, (laughs) pick it up off me, which that, that was basically it for me. I, I, I said, this is crazy. I have got to do something. Welcome to Utopian Talk, a podcast surrounding the journey towards health, sustainability, and building a better world together. Join us as we kick off engaging discussions with sustainability influencers, lifestyle bloggers, health and wellness coaches, bakers, and foodies, conscious people just like you who are taking steps towards a brighter future. It's time to join us on the journey because there's no planet B and there's no time like now to make a difference. Welcome back to Utopian Talk, where we have small yet engaging conversations focused on building a better world together. I'm your host, Paul Myers, and I am joined today by James Lehman, um, and we are excited to have him on. He's been uh, someone who's been following us on our social media uh, for a while now, commenting on posts, uh, tagging us in things, um, and just very interesting because um, his journey is is one that... Um, not one that we've necessarily heard before, at least on this uh, podcast. It's very unique, and uh, I'm I'm really excited to just jump in and sort of uh, dig into his story and hear his side of things. Um, so uh, James is uh, someone who is on the carnivore diet, and I know we've brought on Ashley Van Houten before, and she sort of talked about uh, that whole approach, but I feel like James brings a, an even deeper side to it where he had some health things tied to it and sort of uh, brought him to that realization after being on a vegan diet for a while. So I feel like there's just a lot of a lot of good things from, yeah, just to hear and sort of learn, and I'm excited to jump in. Um, so yeah, to everyone listening, thanks so much for hopping on. I hope this is a great episode. If you have any questions following the episode or again, anything you want to hear, any guests you want us to bring on, if you have a story to tell and you want to come on, we'd love to have you on as a guest. Um, so you can obviously, uh, reach out to me, uh, leave a comment or a message on Instagram. Um, that's probably the best place to, to reach me. All right. Without further ado, uh, James, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Well, thanks a million for having me on today. I'm really excited to give your listeners a chance to hear my story and just hear more about the carnivore diet in general. Um, also about my you know, vegan past and plant-based eating past and how I came to be and where I'm at now. Really excited to be here. Big fans of you guys, as you know and mentioned. Love me some Utopian Farms <laughs> eggs on a daily basis. If you follow me, when you follow me on Instagram, hopefully you'll see that I, I eat your eggs every day. So excited to chat, man. Yeah, definitely. And I, I eat them every day. That's that's um I feel like that's a little bit of an understatement because <laughs> some of the things you post like you've you uh you've had pictures where you're like you made it to the store just in time where they're bringing out the box and I think you've shown me a picture of just your fridge just stock loaded and just like um yeah so we love that sort of commitment and just um yeah sharing on that level with us it's it's great to see um something interesting about you is that that I found out on the sort of the intro call we had was you don't live in the United States. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yes, sir. I'm from the beautiful island of Bermuda. Um, if your listeners haven't had a chance to visit, I highly encourage them to do so. It's a beautiful island. The pictures don't even do it justice online. Mm. Um, we're a small island. We're a British uh, territory. We're only 21 square miles long with probably just shy of 60,000 people. I like to call them wow. clinging to a rock out here in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Yep. Um, there's there's a, a misconception that we're down in the Caribbean. We're actually not. Our closest point of land is Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. So um, the Bermuda famous or infamous Bermuda Triangle is the, the tip of that is Bermuda and then it goes down to the Caribbean in the triangle form. But yeah, the beautiful island of Bermuda. Yes, sir. Very special, yeah. And I know we, uh, one of our uh, our distributors distributes out there, um, and yeah, I think it came sort of as a shock to us. Uh, not necessarily a shock, but it was like, oh, that's an interesting fact. Our eggs are getting all the way there, and then lo and behold, I brought you on for the podcast and find out that that's where you are. So now I'm glad I'm connecting with one of our uh, Bermuda uh, customers or or people who enjoy Utopia Hen eggs. So that's great. Yeah, um, I think um, I, I think t- I mentioned to you that uh, what really drew me to you guys, and we'll get into a little bit more of that later on, but uh, you know, was the fact that you had organic and pasture raised, and mm-hmm. you're just your marketing and the the box itself. And when I was looking for some healthier options on eggs, and shout out to Miles Market here, they're the grocery store that I get them from, and my friend Lee, who is the guy that brings your eggs in to us here in Bermuda, um, he was the one who introduced me to them, and the the rest, as they say, is eggstory, or I mean history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. That's great. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, um, where you're from originally, uh, maybe talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about where you live now and then what you do for a living. Um, you have mm-hmm. to sort of give us a look into who uh, who you are. Sure. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a born and raised Bermudian. Um, I am almost 50 years old. Uh, my father is Canadian and my mother is Bermudian. Uh, they met when they were younger and ended up getting married. My father came to Bermuda when he was a young boy. Um, he left Canada at a very young age and he ended up marrying my mom. And the rest is history. Most people that come to Bermuda want to figure out a way to live here because it's it is very beautiful um, and a great place to be to be raised as a kid as well. Uh, I ended up. Uh, studying in school uh, all the way into high school and and then left to go to Canada for uh, the end of high school and my university career, uh, both just outside of Toronto and then in outside of Halifax, Nova Scotia, just because my dad's Canadian, you get a little bit of break on the fees for tuition there. Um, mm-hmm. I got out of school and I had designs of becoming graduating, um, of becoming a, a sociologist. That was my degree um, in sociology. I wanted to become a child uh, social worker. Um, mm-hmm. Just, uh, but as as fate would have it, you know, when you first get married, the bills start coming in. Uh, one yeah. of our other one other one of our other pillars of industry here in Bermuda, besides tourism, is actually a national business and insurance. So I entered the insurance game um, uh, as a newbie and ended up sticking it out for many, many years. Um, I I left it for a little while um, to get into some HVAC air conditioning. And then um, I'm back in it now as a life insurance underwriter, which kind of ties my story. You'll find out a little bit full picture because I have to deal with looking at people's illnesses and stuff that affects them in their life insurance policies on a daily basis. So it's pretty interesting in that regard, for sure. Very cool. Yeah, no, that's definitely, uh, definitely an interesting um, storyline just to sort of find out, you know, your parents meeting and everything. And now um, just here you are. And uh, yeah, you've come across our eggs. And I, I know we'll get further into sort of what, what role um, pasture raised eggs plays in a carnivore diet. But 
Um, I think that's going to be something that's going to be most interesting is sort of your food and health journey and just sort of your transition starting out as someone who was vegan and now almost going in the complete opposite direction in a sense. Um, so, uh, first of all, before we get into that, um, that journey, why don't you tell us what got you interested in just food and health in general? Um, not specifically with the carnivore diet, but at the beginning, starting with the vegan diet, what, what interested you in that? Sure. Um, I'd like to share with your listeners that, you know, um, being a child of the seventies and eighties, um, if you, you look at historically what has happened in the way we look at food, you'll, as, as, as I have in, in this journey, you'll see that dietarily the seventies and eighties babies, especially were right at the cusp when we went into that low fat sort of higher carb way of eating, um, as, as luck would have it. And through the knowledge that we have now, or not so much luck or as fate, I would say would have it. Um, I ended up being a pretty chunky kid. Um, you know, our breakfasts growing up, you know, and our parents did the best that they could and we could at, at the time. And, fed us how they thought was the best way. And, um, you know, breakfast considered of whole grain cereals, um, things like pop tarts, uh, easy mm -hmm. things when you have three kids as my parents did and, you know, economical ways to eat. So I ended up being a little bit more of a chunky kid, at least up until the time I left to go away to school in Canada. Mm. Um, I, I was not a vegetarian or, or vegan at the time. Um, but you know, we geared towards more, pastas and grain-based foods and carbohydrate-based foods. Uh, my mom, interestingly enough, was a vegetarian and she has been for a long time. She never really enjoyed the taste of meat. So she ate eggs. Um, so we had eggs when we were kids. And um, yeah, so I ended up being a little bit of a chunky kid. When I ended up going away to school, to boarding school, of course, I wasn't being fed by my folks. We were, had to sort of eat what was available in the food hall. I just tended to eating more meat and more eggs at that time and ended up getting in shape. And I ended up, you know, becoming quite physically fit. I was on my high school basketball team. I was into rowing, into crew. And um, as a matter of fact, at 17 and 18, became a personal trainer. So I was a personal wow. tr fitness trainer. I um, was in mm -hmm. really great shape and, um, you know, was doing really well rowing for my varsity team and was, you know, touted to play basketball at one point for my university squad. I ended up separating my shoulder uh, and that never transpired. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, you, there you are. That's sort of how I got into fitness and food and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I find that normally it does start sort of at a young age, whether it's something that that was in your childhood that makes you want to, um, you know, sort of fix it or reverse it, or whether it's something in your childhood that was instilled in you as far as maybe your parents were into health and fitness and sort of um, mm -hmm. instilled that in, in you at a young age. Uh, that's great. So talk to us about the journey then for how you went from that you said in college you ate a lot of meats and got into shape and everything and then you sort of uh, were a fitness trainer for a little while and then how do you go from that to all of a sudden flipping that on its head to a complete vegan diet ah uh, yes paul great question um <laughs> as with happens of young men with flights of fancy i had to impress a girl um, uh <laughs> yeah, it um, the the young lady who I was uh, dating at the time happened to be a very strict vegetarian for that day and age is pretty admirable because there wasn't many around. I mean, we, we have so many yeah. options now when you go to the grocery store in terms of vegan and keto and vegetarian there. There was really nothing there in the, the late 80s and early 90s. And um, 
it just was easier. You know, we were dating at the time and going out to eat. I would tend to gravitate, you know, towards that so as not to offend her. Um, and when we were cooking at home, it was just much easier to prepare those foods. And then as fate would have it, uh, one night when we were dating in Canada, we ended up going out to a restaurant. And I believe that I, I told you in our lead up interview was that I, I ended up getting salmonella poisoning um, mm -hmm. quite, quite badly. And it was actually verified. The restaurant put out a, a notice that it, it would apologize. There was the whole restaurant. I think it was ironically from a chicken at the time, uh, not properly cooked chicken. And, um, we both sort of drew the line in the sand that or me, especially being the one that, that got really sick said that, you know what I'm done. And she said, uh, yeah, that's great. And I moved on from there to becoming more vegetarian with having fish in there as a pescatarian for many decades afterwards. Um, mm. specifically, yeah, I had the fish in there because coming from Bermuda, there's always the access to fresh fish here. And I didn't want to exclude that at the time, but that, that turned into literally probably decades of eating that way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So talk to us then about how, um, about what sort of brought you out of that. I know there's the whole, the whole journey that we sort of talked about before where, um, mm -hmm. you sort of fell ill a little bit for, for a while there. So talk, talk to us about, about that and how that transpired. So, yeah, that's, that's more recent. That's gonna, I'm going to talk to you then about how I ended up going vegan and then what transpired after that. So probably around 2014, uh, 2015, um, I, my wife and I were who, and she's also very much into fitness and health and, and uh, on her own, we're just looking at ways to how we could not only do better for our health, but do better for the environment, make more of an impact that way. And, you know, like many out there, we did not, and I still do not believe in how some animals are treated at both ethically and, and and in terms of you know using them as as a, as a food source mm. um to, to to get to a food source and at the time a lot of those i would say the propaganda based films had come out you know you're you're looking at forks over knives what the health game changers cowspiracy we watched all those and honestly as many and mo as most vegans do we we wanted to do better for our health and better for the planet sustainably. Mm -hmm. And we made, decided then and there to make the switch. Uh, my wife was so into it that she actually became a certified plant-based chef. And um, she is immensely talented. And um, it, it took a long time for that certification. And she ended up um, you know, being quite successful at it in her own right. And we ate really well in terms of a plant-based diet. There was you know, that move from sort of vegetarianism with all kinds of processed foods to whole foods, plant-based for six years. Mm. So and when I tell you the story of what happened to my health, a lot of the arguments sometimes are, well, you must not have been doing it right. Uh, and I can pretty much tell you with hundred percent certainty, we were doing it right. Not yeah. only were we eating whole foods, plant-based, you know, no processed foods, the colors of the rainbow. Uh, we actually supplemented because most vegans are told you need to supplement with B12. It's really important. We supplemented with a multivitamin and B12 because B12 can become deficient on a vegan diet. So we were doing it correctly and we were doing really well. Me specifically, I won't talk for her. She's not on the podcast today, but I was doing really well um, until I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I first started to notice my health going down and this is typical for vegans who have followed the diet after usually about that four or five year mark things start to take a turn south. And that's 
what I'm finding out to be true for many, many, many people that have gone completely vegan. It's that four or five year mark. And I think what it has to do with is when you eliminate a lot of the processed food, a lot of the carbohydrates, the grains, you start to feel better. Your energy energy levels go up. Your insulin uh, resistance uh, improves. Uh, you know, your blood sugar uh, improves. All those type of things because you're getting out a lot of the junk foods that you ate before, either on a standard American diet or a vegan, or excuse me, a vegetarian diet when you eat whole foods, plant based. Mm. So it's kind of the things that I start to notice. Uh, brain fog start to come on. Um, I remember my memory was not so so good. Uh, I remember sitting there thinking, what is going on? Is this a sign of old age? Uh, my joints and body pain started to increase. My digestion started to really take a turn for the South in terms of uh, severe constipation. Um, I... I noticed fatigue setting in where I didn't have fatigue before. I wasn't able to do the things that I normally did. Um, mm. I developed tinnitus, tinnitus, some people call it, the ringing in the ears. Uh, yeah. I I and had, sorry, go ahead. How, how many years into uh, a vegan diet was this again? About, I would say the cusp of the fifth year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I started 2014. I would say 2019, I really started to notice sort of the, things started to go off a cliff for me. Mm. Um, I, I went to my doctor. Um, uh, I, I was really struggling to get the energy and the cognitive function to be able to work. I, could, I couldn't read because I couldn't take it in. Um, my vision started to, to go down. Mm. Um, really, uh, I, I noticed the digestion was the main thing, the severe constipation. I had uh, probably at the time my doctor said uh, I had severe colitis because there was blood in my stool. Um, I started to drop weight, even though regardless of what I was eating and how much I was eating, I could not put on weight all. It was, it was really scary. My family was yeah. scary, scared for me. Mm. I was scared for my own health. Um, I got down to 128 pounds at six foot two at my wow. lowest weight. And as you can imagine, I looked and felt like I was dying mm. and literally um, I was getting ready to have colonoscopy, a bunch of autoimmune tests because my doctor figured I had a bunch of autoimmune issues, which I clearly did. I had uh, something else called burning tongue syndrome, where your tongue feels like it's on fire all the time, which is an autoimmune related uh, disease. Um, uh, my thyroid was out of whack. And then the pandemic hit and I lost my job and I lost my insurance. I was bed bound. Basically, I couldn't get out of bed. I was really literally too weak to even lift up some yoga weights my wife had. And I was really scared. I didn't know what to do. Um, I, I prayed. I really tried anything that I could. I went down a bunch of rabbit holes. And as you're, you're, you're here later on in the, in the podcast, one of the things that I, I, I really resonated was in the, if, if you're sitting on a nail, don't take an aspirin for the pain, get off the nail. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I say that because I looked down all the, I, I never thought in a million years, it could be my diet. It couldn't have been the diet. It was anything right. else, but the vegan diet. You're doing be. everything to your understanding at that point. That's it. That would be considered healthy. So, oh my God, I was doing everything. I was doing everything right. I was taking all the supplements, eating all the best food, all the, the the stuff I had listened to. I had to do it right. And I think the the last straw was I ended up following a physician online who recommended eating these smoothies. These green smoothies were literally were a bag of kale, a scoops of chia seeds, uh, buckets of fruit, all blended up and drink them and you will be healed. And what that did was literally through my digestion and uh, 
bleeding uh, from the bowels out of whack so much. I ended up collapsing. I had to go to the emergency room at 128 pounds. It was the end. Wow. Uh, and I, I honestly thought it was for me. I, I, I'd never said that before. And in the middle of COVID as well, where all this yeah. fear of getting, yeah, catching the sickness and everything, I can't imagine how just, yeah, that would be terrifying. Yeah, I, I have a, your audience should be aware, I do have a few tears coming to my eyes now because from, excuse me one second, where I am now to where I was is, is just an incredible journey. And when you mm. stop to actually tell the story, yeah. I think, think about it, it just becomes real again. So yeah. I, I remember, and I think I gave you this example before, one example is we ride mopeds here in Bermuda to get around. Yeah. <laughs> little little 100cc scooters we get around because it's a small line and the no roads are very narrow. So we ride mopeds. And I've ridden a moped for years. When you turn 16, that's what the young boys get. They get their mopeds. <laughs> and I, at my weakest, I thought, uh, you know, I want to go for a ride. I haven't been out for a while, get on my bike. I could not even have the strength. I didn't have the strength to lift the moped off the stand. It actually fell on top of me and I got trapped underneath it and I couldn't get up and I had to call for help for someone to come pick it up, pick it up off me, which that, that was basically it for me. I, I said, this is crazy. I have got to do something. And I came across, um, excuse me, let me backtrack a little bit. My, my wife, because of COVID and losing the job and being in bed for most of the day, um, time drew out like a blade, as they say from my favorite movie, Shawshank Redemption. Um, <laughs> and I asked my wife, you know, what can I do to pass the time? She suggests listening to podcasts. I had never listened to podcasts before, and we'll tie this back into your great one at the end. Yeah. Um, so I started, I started listening to podcasts, listening for any gem of inspiration that I could find, health podcasts, anything that I could find that I would get some inspiration from or get a health tip from that I could figure out this way out of this puzzle for me. How could I get out of this. I wanted to live. I wanted to get back to where I was. I was too young to be feeling like this, that I was going to be bed bound for the rest of my life. Hmm. And I came across this presentation by a lady called Sally K. Norton, Sally Norton. And she is an expert on oxalates. And this, this presentation was called, called lost seasonality and the overconsumption of plants. Hmm. And it struck a chord with me. And basically what she talked about was how as a human species, we are eating out of season now because of, we don't have to any longer. We can go to the grocery store and get imported fruits and vegetables year round. We've basically stopped eating plants how we used to, uh, as we evolved as a species, we would, you know, eat them sparingly and only when they were in season, both fruits and plants. We primarily came from being, Meat-based omnivores, I would say. Um, mm. And again, I say plants have their place. Many cultures believe that you should only eat plants medicinally. Um, mm. Other cultures believe that they don't need them at all. Um, and still others still have a, a fairly sizable portion on their plate. But that one presentation where it talked about how plants have defense chemicals in them, both in terms of oxalates, phytates, lectins, and things of that nature, and that can actually poison us humans. They're there as defense chemicals to inhibit people from picking them, and when you eat them, to stop that. Yeah. Plants, plants want to protect their babies, the seeds. They allow you to eat their fruits to basically spread the seeds, and that's yeah. how animals do it. They eat the fruits, and then they excrete them out uh, through their feces, and then another plant grows. Mm. But the fact that 
plants had these things, especially on the oxalate side. And, and I delved more into it and what oxalates can do and the symptoms that they give you. It just resonated and ticked all these boxes for me. And I started to realize I had been over consuming plants to the nth degree and specifically these high oxalate foods, mm. um, things like beet greens, things like Swiss chard, uh, things like beets themselves and the fruits specifically like kiwis are very high in oxalates. There's a ton and she has lists on her website, but I started to put the pieces of the puzzle together again. And I started to consider, should I be adding meat back in my diet? Because mm. number one, I didn't want to die. I felt like I was dying. And, and number two, are they evolutionary appropriate for us in our diets? And I know that was a long diatribe and I'll give you a chance to respond. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm enjoying, yeah, just sitting back and listening. And I think this is great for our listeners because I feel like there's, yeah, there's questions that sort of surround, you know, the whole vegan, vegetarian, carnivore, like all these different diets. And I mean, it's different for everybody. And I think that there's not necessarily one, one right answer. I think it's sort of a blend of all of them and just sort of a, a holistic approach to to health and eating and, and what's right and good for, for your body. Cause everyone's body reacts differently to, there may be people out there who could be on a similar diet to what you were, um, that, you know, have never experienced any sort of uh, pain or trials or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think definitely, um, yeah, I think definitely it's, it's something to, to be aware of. And, and yeah, I'm just enjoying hearing your journey and how you came from it. It's good to hear because you went from, you didn't just, uh, try one. And then this happened, like you, you did uh vegetarian for a while and then vegan. And then, um, from that finding out, okay, what I need now is more of a carnivore. And then I'm interested to sort of hear how that, how that played its way out and then to see where it has led you to and, and where you are now. Absolutely. Great points, Paul. One thing that I want to stress for your listeners is, yes, I may be eating the, the carnivore diet currently, but I am in no way dogmatic about that approach. Um, I believe, and we'll talk about this more later on, that dogma really shouldn't have a place in the way we eat as humans. It it, it really should, shouldn't. And there are a lot of reasons why it is present today and in so many. I mean, there was dogma in the vegan way of eating. Um, I saw that. There's there, It's... We have control. The few things we have control in our life are what we put in our mouths to sustain us. Mm. And, and I want to encourage your listeners to be their own N of one. And what does that mean? You know, we all need to experiment on what suits us best. I, I'm going to just, and I need to clarify, I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just sharing my experience, my background and what worked for me. Um, and if it resonates with someone, I encourage them to try. Nothing beats a trial but a fail, they say. And and I I had to try. Yeah, I I was you know forced to try. So glad that I did because I look at where I am now to compare to where I was two years ago, and it is night and day. And mm -hmm. your listeners should be their own end of one. If they're suffering from any sort of things dietarily or health related you know, there's a good chance that it could be what they're putting in their mouths. Um, yeah. Take a look, you know, do an elimination diet, go down to simple things. Um, you know, 
anyone can have an aversion. There's things like gluten intolerance, which I sort of found out that I had. I wasn't full celiac, but I had a gluten intolerance. Luckily, mm -hmm. I cut that out before I even went full vegan. Yeah. Some people have, uh, you know, intolerances to fruit. Some people mm -hmm. have intolerance to various forms of meat. Um, um, some people especially have intolerances to dairy, especially the proteins and lactose in dairy. Yeah. Try that for a little while, see how you feel, and then introduce, reintroduce food slowly. So yeah, be mm -hmm. your own N of one. So we, that's just something I wanted to give a little caveat on. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing all that. Um, we're going to take sort of a pause in the episode now, and we're going to sign off for this. We'll consider this as part one of the interview. And to all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, James, thanks so much for for coming on and sharing. And this is only um, part way into, into your whole story. Um, and so I just sort of want to um, say thank you and I appreciate you, you sharing everything that you have and look forward to uh, part two, where we'll dive into sort of your recovery stage and sort of recovery and discovery of, of where you came from to where you are now. Um, so thank you so much. Absolutely welcome. I look forward to it, man. Let's, let's do it. Awesome. All right. Thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, we appreciate your listenership and just your support of the podcast. Um, thanks for tuning in to part one of this conversation with uh, James Lehman. Uh, we'll be back next week with part two um, to hear the rest of his story and to hear how uh, he recovered and um, how he's doing now and just sort of his uh, focus for a brighter and more sustainable future. Have a great week. You've been listening to Utopian Talk, where we believe that making a big difference starts with one small act, one small decision, one small change, one small promise to simply do better. Join us on the journey.